This is Keenan with my brother Kyle, as always. Kyle, how are you? What's up, what's up? I'm good, Keenan. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, actually, I got up at, I had to go into work for a truck today at 6.30. So I've been up since 5. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah, it's been a blast. It was a blast today. Actually, actually wasn't bad. We got the uh, Westbrook Why Nots in a, uh, they call it coconut milk color. They're actually not bad. We've been okay. getting some uh, pretty good shoes in lately. Some Air Max 270s, some of the waffle ones. Uh, some of the, uh, I know we had the Jordan 1s come in, and then sometimes we get like some Jordans uh, returned as well. So we've been getting some good shoes in. Happy about that. Good to know. Yes. Um, how's work been for you? Same old? How's my job? My job's, my job's been good. My job's been good. Summer's been good so far. No complaints. Any big uh, plans at all for summer for you? I mean, you know, just trips, some trips land here and there, but, you know, just enjoying stuff. We definitely got some downtown down that the NBA is, well, I was about to say the NBA is over, but it's really not with the offseason about to kick up here this mm-hmm. weekend. So after this week and a half stretch, probably, or however long it takes the main guys to sign, yeah, usually really that first week, weekend, but there's usually some drifters after that. Mm-hmm. But no, definitely looking forward to the rest of summer. Weather's been great. Getting some ball in, uh, vibes have been good. Definitely some good music from all year. Really now releasing into the summer. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, everything's cool. Everything's cool. Uh, your opinion, like, what do you? Since we've talked, have you listened to the Drake album in full yet? I've listened to snippets, and nothing's really changed. Uh, I was also like. So you haven't given it like a full listen. I still, I to be honest with you, I haven't been interested to go to it. I really haven't. And then I heard Massive, um, obviously the biggest single from it so far, off on the radio, and I just listened to it all, and I was like, I don't like this. I just, I, I get what he's trying to do, I guess, kind of bring a maybe bring his crowd into a different style of music and then also playing something that's going to play in certain club settings, as we said last time. But, again, I'm, it's just not for me, and I'm really not interested. Like, at some point I'll listen to it, but I'm really not interested into spending my time for it. Interesting. Uh, I gave it another listen that following Monday. Mm-hmm. It's, been, well, it's been like two weeks. Yes, and, the 20th. Uh, so about like 10 days and you know i'm not the biggest fan of techno music but i will say on the like second listen it sounded more i was like okay drake doesn't actually sound too bad on these techno like the first time i heard it it all sounded out of place yeah the second time it doesn't sound as out of place uh you know it's nothing i'm gonna be rushing back to uh, I think Tex Go Green is the other song that I could picture being on a, any other Drake project. That's mm-hmm. the one that doesn't sound like like New Jersey house music, like that real like oots, oots sound. Yeah. All that other stuff is uh, kind of is really, really like house techno, which is crazy. Um, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear it out. It's nothing I'd, again, it's something I'm looking to hear, but I'd be interested to hear like how it sounds out, but I don't know. It's a move out of left field, kind of. And then what interested me next, and I'm interested to hear your opinion, is Beyonce drops the following Tuesday, 
and her lead single is a is a house bop. What do you think of that? To be completely, I di- I have, I started to listen to the song, and then I stopped. I stopped not because I didn't like it. I want when her album comes out, I want to listen to it in full without hearing a single thing about it. So I honest, I listen. I've avoided it. Not that I haven't tried to. I just avoided it. So I have not listened to it yet because I'm waiting for her album to drop so I can listen to everything at once for the first time. So no singles that come out, I'm going to listen to. Well, Chris Chris Brown's album. Have you listened to that yet? No, I haven't. Li- music wise, I haven't really been up to speed for the last week because of the fact that I've been working a lot. So I haven't heard Breezy yet. Do you la- have you heard Breezy and there's 24 songs cuz he loves to put a bunch of songs together? Yeah, I've skimmed through it. I haven't given it a complete listen. I liked what I heard. Um This one's definitely something that I'm going to listen to within the next few times. The one thing I did listen to was Giveon, but go on. Yeah, a lot of Giveon dropped last Friday. Like a lot of a lot of music came out last Friday and there's a lot of good projects dropping within the coming weeks, whether it's the game, whether whether it's Brant Fayez, whether it's Beyonce, whether it's who else we got coming. There's a few. I feel like I'm leaving someone out here. Um, if you care about Demi Lovato, Demi Lovato. <laughs> Not looking forward to Demi Lovato, but <laughs> Lizzo, Megan Trainer. Just I just wanted to give you a few that I know you're gonna be stoked about. Uh, Young Boy Never Broke Again's coming out as well soon. Yeah, there's, there's a few. Actually, you may listen. Yeah, I don't really listen to Young Boy that much. I mean, he's got some, he's got some songs I like, but I don't really listen to him like that. Mm-hmm. But who else? There's one other person I figured that was dropping over the next few weeks. Can't remember. It'll come to me. But there's been a lot of great music so far in 2022. Um, you know, SZA dropped. I don't know if we mentioned this before, but SZA came out with that deluxe. To control, yes, which she all needs set. to just drop another. I was gonna album. say all. She does. She does. Sounds like she's coming soon. All seven of those songs sound like they could have fit seamlessly on that album. Yep. Um, she kind of did the know, uh, Kendrick just... thing. I mean, just much later, but like when Kendrick uh, dropped "Untitled Unmastered," which was eight songs, right off um, about a year after. To Pimp a Butterfly, and they all could have fit right onto Pimp a Butterfly. It's pretty much the songs that didn't make the cut, but were still very good. Right, right. And this one was dropped as a deluxe, what a full five years later, which yeah. is crazy. Around this time, I, I think it was. It I think it was on this, the date of it. I could be wrong though. I want to say, I want to say, Control dropped free agency weekend of twenty sixteen. That doesn't sound right. Maybe it was twenty seventeen. No, it was June June ninth, twenty seventeen. So, and she that's dropped crazy. it June 9th, twenty twenty two. She dropped it on the five year anniversary. That's right. It would be five years. That's crazy. I don't know why I have memories of. Yeah, it would be. That's crazy. I don't know why I have memories in my head of listening to it in twenty sixteen, but yeah, it must have been twenty seventeen. So, that's yeah, that crazy. would make sense. That would be right after. No, that was no, that was a year after. Never mind. Been a year after the Durant summer. Yeah, like I had memories of listening to it like the day of the KD signing to the Warriors, but must have been maybe I was listening to it a year later. Around, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. 
But you're going to wear lots of great music, lots of great R&B, hip-hop, reggaeton. We got a lot. We got a lot this summer. Bad Bunny's probably been in my rotation the most this whole summer. Between him, Fabio's album, I've been listening to a lot of Kendrick, obviously. That album keeps coming up in my rotation. Mm -hmm. But I've got a lot of variety. Got a lot of variety. And uh, looking forward to what else comes out. July is going to be a great month. Yes, it uh, is. Free, free agencies cooking up right now. DeJounte Murray just got traded to the Hawks for four first-round picks, which is crazy. Yes, uh, and Danilo Gallinari was in there. I didn't know that he was until I got another report on it. Yeah, Gallo and four first-rounders, which, uh, you know, it's kind of a desperate trade by the Hawks. Uh, it's a, DeJounte's a great player. He's one of my favorite players in the, in the league. But four first-rounders, sounds like there's little protection on them. That's a desperate move. I don't know what it, that it is, but it all depends on how good you feel you are. Because if if you think that you're going to be one of the top eight teams, then those picks don't matter as much. You know what I mean? Because if you get one of the twenty, if you get like twenty second and on pick, then it's not as bad as if you are. You do end up missing the playoffs, and you are a lottery pick. Then you're giving up a few lottery picks. I know the Hawks probably think they can get back to the. Western or sorry, Eastern Conference Finals like they did two years ago, especially yeah, with, this I mean, I, with this backcourt that they have now. I might agree with that if it was two first round picks with some protection, or even four with some protection, or if you know the Hawks were a contender, but they were a nine seed who got into the playoffs by virtue of playing with a good roster, like they already had a pretty good young talented roster and couldn't even get in with the original eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, I, agree. This, I'm, I mean, I agree with you more than I'm just saying that's their mindset. So I'm saying the first round picks for them probably aren't as important and don't mean as much as they do to you per se. I guess so. I mean, I usually would see that move though from like a contender contender, like the Lakers gave up a lot for AD, but I mean, you know, when you're, with your LeBron and you got young pieces, you're essentially a player away. They gave up Gallinari and gave up four. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I don't know if there's another move in place where maybe they move John Collins because he's been in rumors for like two years, it seems like. Uh, they, could but, use, they could use a OG on the newbie type player. I'm not that they can get OG, but like they could use a, ty- a player like that. Another wing defender who can shoot. I'm interested. I'm interested. And then uh, also, I don't know if this trade got completed, but I saw it earlier. It was Will Barton and Monte Morris of the Wizards for KCP. And who was the other player? Was it a two for one or was it a two for two? I actually didn't see. If that was during today, I actually didn't see that one. It was like during the time you'd have been at work. So I saw this early in the morning. Yeah, no, I was going to say I didn't see... I got the update for the, obviously the Jonte Murray one because it just barely happened, but I didn't, I didn't see that one actually. Monte Morris and Will Barton for Catavius Caldwell Pope and Caldwell Pope and Is Smith. Mm. Oh, uh, so, yeah, sounds like I mean the Wizards got the two more talented players out of that. And yeah, some more balancing the roster out. Bones Highland will probably get a more featured role. They got Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back. Nuggets a very intriguing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we still got the DeAndre Aiden drama to uh, to sort out this summer. The Kyrie Knicks seems, drama. Kyrie drama. That seems to be figured out, though. He opted in. KD will be back. 
that all kind of almost seemed hoaxish. I don't know. I have my own my own opinion on that. I still um, think he could get traded. Like the trade with the only thing I'm thinking of now though is like the only possible move would really be the Lakers, and I could see the Westbrook Kyrie with obviously other pieces in it. I could see that swap because their contracts. I mean. Kyrie's getting 36, Westbrook's getting 47. They could definitely make the salaries work in that sense so they'd be able to kind of flip that. Because I know people have been throwing around the AD in Westbrook for Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Yeah, I don't think any of those will happen. I mean, it sounds like Kyrie's committed to the Nets, and I don't see what the Nets' upside would be to bring in Westbrook. Uh, it doesn't really seem like they they want to move Kyrie. The reports were really that Kyrie wanted to get traded, and it seemed like he, his response was almost like, "Y'all believe everything you hear," kind of thing. Like he was never, never really asking for a trade. So I don't know. I think him and KD both finish it out. I think that that Nets drama kind of came and went. You know what I mean? Like we ain't really heard much since then. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they run it back with their full roster. I I can't imagine. I don't know. Unless there's a buyout, I can't imagine Westbrook being anywhere but LA See with it. his contract, especially with John Wall now going to the Clippers. That was really one of your only tradable options contract wise is John Wall and Chris Paul. And they've already done the Chris Paul trade, uh, you know, obviously a few years ago mm-hmm. for one another. And, you know, Wall got bought out and Wall's now a Clipper, which is, I'm excited to talk about that move, but I'll let you talk about Westbrook and, uh, and the Lakers real quick. With Westbrook on the Lakers, the Lakers aren't doing anything. So, yeah, it's a bad fit. And just, see, I thought that I did not think when obviously when the move came early. The reason why I liked it was because it allowed. I thought it was going to allow LeBron to rest during the regular season because obviously Westbrook's motor is as high as anyone's in the league, and. Obviously, Anthony Davis not being there doesn't help, but I mean, injury wise, not there. But I thought that Westbrook was going to be able to kind of control the offense in an efficient ish way because I thought, figured LeBron could kind of reel him in a little bit. I put faith in that, but Westbrook is just his own entity and that didn't happen. And so <laughs> that blew up. And with Westbrook there, they're not doing anything because you have LeBron, who's a streaky three-point shooter. You have AD, who shot 18% from three last year. He's a better shooter than that, but goodness, that was garbage. And then you have Westbrook. So with those three being your best players and there's not being much spacing, you're not doing much with that. So Westbrook going there, it's kind of it had to be. I would if they can find a trade a partner with that that'd be beautiful for them. I don't think they're going to because I don't know what team would benefit from having Westbrook other than maybe a bad team that needs to get people in the seats. I guess I don't know. I mean, I think Westbrook. You know, it depends on the coach. Depends on, like you said, depends on the team. I believe. I don't know what team you'd fit with. To be honest with you, like and like actually help towards like winning. I don't know. All what team it would like be. If you get if you get if you got a veteran coach in there and you give Westbrook the offense and he's not, you know, just chasing triple doubles. Or if he's not on an offense like LA, where they're kind of a real slow it down half court offense where, you know, LeBron's 
going to be pounding the rock for 15 seconds on occasion or you're dumping it down in the post. Yeah. So it's never really was a good fit. Granted, Westbrook didn't really benefit himself. He's not the best off-ball player. No, no. But, no. like, for instance, last year, I might have even... I might have texted a few people saying I was interested in Westbrook coming to the Celtics. I just said that out loud. That's something I never said out loud before. I wish you could see my face right now. What? But, Why? Because we needed a point guard. We needed a point guard, and we needed <laughs> we needed someone. You need. He's not efficient. <laughs> I don't know. Efficiency is half the game, but it's not all the game. I mean, at that point, and this is true. I mean, you saw it up until January. We needed someone who was a dog who wasn't going to let them quit. And I think Westbrook would have helped in that regard. Uh, even John Wall would have helped in that regard as well. I think John Wall would but, have been a better fit than Westbrook. I think John Wall's better with the ball. I think he's just. A, I think he's a dog in that sense too, and he's a very and he's a good point guard. I just he might have been. He might have been, I, but I like just you think said, that Westbrook, Westbrook can't shoot, and then which is a huge part of the Celtics game was shooting the three, and then having that be uh, having him be on your team in an average of four to five turnovers a game i just don't think for i mean we saw how bad the celtics were when they turned the ball over sure sure and turnovers are going to happen with anybody and lebron Harden, uh anybody who's got the ball in their hands aside from pretty much chris paul you're gonna have three to five turnovers it seems like but two and a half threes but threes you can do with three a game five a game that's a lot it is. I'm not down you, but you know, this was again. This was a year ago, uh, with a new coach. You know, switched that email offense. Who knows? And who knows? Maybe we do see Westbrook in a different uniform at some point. But you know, the Lakers aren't the greatest fit. And you know, he's had efficiency problems his whole career, turnover problems his whole career. He still can be an impact player. It's just a matter of who that coach is, what that system is. Will he buy you know, it? okay, OKC. You know, he was, especially after the KD trade or KD uh, leaving, you know, he was, they were basically able, happy with him doing whatever, you know. That's his but best now, role. But now he's, he's in a different part of his career. And like you said, he's got to buy in, you know, he, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. He's still, even with his deficiencies, there's still hall of fame elite level talent there you know what i mean like he's still got athleticism there he's still got something there it's the matter of who's gonna pull it out of him uh all the lakers seemed happy with this darvin ham signing as a coach so we'll see you still got lebron there obviously ad i mean i'll say this about westbrook he obviously had his worst season of his career and he's got obvious obvious deficiencies where he doesn't help himself out i.e not moving off the ball can get very lazy on defense. But I'll say this, out of the three players, him, LeBron, AD, he was there for the most games. He was the most available. So, I mean, it's it's pretty easy for Laker fans to point out, oh, our season failed because of Westbrook. But, I mean, hey, the oh, other two guys. Reason. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not the only reason. But I'm, I'm talking about, like, especially Laker fans who were, like, harping on Westbrook, booing Westbrook last year, you know, at home. You know, out of the three, he was the most, he was the one who showed up the most. So, I mean, you can't, Lakers fans can't blame it all on him. Oh, no, but, not at all. And I think that has to do with the media, too, because the narrative was Westbrook. What I mean, and that was, was any media, was how much of a detriment Westbrook was to that Lakers team. 
So, but, right. but really it came down to AD missing your second best player, AD not playing great when he was there for his standards. And then when he was, and then missing a bunch of time and then LeBron James missing 20 plus games, I think. So like when you have that, it's, you're not going to succeed. Their team wasn't like, it's not like they're, they're not built like the Grizzlies. They're not built like say the Celtics, the heat, where they can miss their best player, their second best player for an extended period of time, and they can still manage to keep it at least afloat, like 500 plus. These, I mean, the teams I named could keep it above 500, but at least 500 plus, they weren't going to do that. So once those players went down, their season was already over. Right. Yeah, they're not the deepest team, and uh, Austin you know, they isn't going to get it done for you. <laughs> right, yeah, they don't they don't really have uh, the most trade assets. So, I mean, it seems to be another season of drama for the Lakers. Uh, I'm really interested to see how Darvin Ham does because, again, everyone seemed to be really positive about that, about the hire. So, I'm really interested to see what happens there. I don't see them being a contender whether Westbrook's there or not. So, we'll see. I'm, inter- I'm definitely interested to see how AD especially – bounces back after his probably his worst season definitely his worst season i would say so wasn't good we'll see how that trio works we'll see how that trio works uh what else we got there's a who else who else is involved in some rumors this whole Kyrie and kd thing that was interesting like i said uh it seems like Kyrie, from what i took of it his instant response after opting in it seemed like he was kind of like, yeah, you guys will believe anything the media says. I'm opting in. I was never not opting in. Um, there was obviously rumors. By the way, you know, the Kyrie to the Lakers stuff, that shows you how desperate and delusional Lakers fans are. They were like all gung-ho about signing Kyrie, someone who, you know, for counting his possible departure from Brooklyn, that would have been three teams he would have kind of just left on. But mm-hmm. you know, clearly he's opting in. But I thought that was funny how excited the Lakers were, like how they were just gonna assume that was gonna work. Uh well, you know, LeBron you know, and KD. Oh, sorry, LeBron and KD. LeBron and Kyrie back together again. The last time they were together, they won a championship. So it's you, or they actually they lost in the finals, but they were obviously finals bound the last time they were together. So. You as a fan, you're like, oh well, that can happen again. As if it's not the Western Conference, which is a harder conference than what their Eastern Conference opponents were, and yep, them at two different stages of their career now compared to what they were at. Yeah, I'm, more so, LeBron. Uh, there's, there's so much I am interested in within the next week with this between, like I said, the eight and drama. Harden um, is interesting too that he opted out because I mean obviously I think that's just contractual so I think they're gonna rework it just so they can have more money but to see what they do with the more money they do have. Yeah, it sounds like Philly's interested in PJ Tucker. Get a little bit of uh, the Houston vibes back with Harden and Tucker. They're pretty good friends anyway, um, which would be a good addition. PJ Tucker would be a good addition. Sounds like Miami's gonna lose him and. Who else was it? Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Seems like Oladipo's not coming back as well. Yeah. So the Heat, Heat will have some money freed up. That's obviously mostly vet money, PJ and Oladipo, but I'm interested to see what they do with that. Uh, the Knicks are all in on Jalen Brunson. Somehow, I mean, 
I think Jalen Brunson's really good, but now they're like they're signing to a max deal. They're may I mean they're making this sound like it's like I don't know, like it's Kyrie coming over. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they are they are laying out the red carpet for Jalen Brunson. I, I don't I mean the Knicks just try the Knicks are so dysfunctional. They try to grasp onto whatever. If they think that Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are the answer, I mean RJ Barrett, you got the lefty trio. If you think that that's just gonna be what's gonna happen to go win a championship, it's it's Jalen Brunson. Like he's a very he's a good player. He can be probably the third best player on a championship team, probably. Like, but he he's good. He's not great. He had a solid playoff run. He can definitely score. But it's it's Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I'll Jaylen say he had more Brunson. than a solid. I'd say he had more than a solid playoff run. Like he he did really well for them. Yeah, sorry, and he had a good play. He had a definitely a very good playoff run. Sorry, I underselled that. He definitely had a very good playoff run. He kept that team very afloat against the Jazz when they when they had no Luca for the first few games. He did drop a forty and then a back and then a thirty after that. So definitely a very capable player and a very good player. But I don't know. I just don't think he's gonna change life in New York. Me personally. I mean, I think he'll improve him to a playoff team at least. I mm-hmm. think that puts him back in the playoff picture. Um, the Knicks have no culture, obviously. I just think it's funny how they're laying out the red carpet for him, clearing cap space for him. When, uh, I don't know, I think next year is a better free agent class, obviously. So, real interesting because that's when Westbrook, all those guys, LeBron, Kyrie. every one of those guys, Kyrie, KD, all of them are off the books. So very weird that the Knicks are going all in. I'm sure maybe they'll create space next year too. Um, excuse me, but and then who knows? Julius Randle that the last season the Knicks were giving him Knicks fans were giving him the Westbrook treatment as well, booing him. He wasn't loving the fans either. So maybe he's out of there too. Maybe maybe they get something in return for him that makes more sense with the Jalen Brunson stuff. I don't know. The cap's also going up. I don't think it's after next year, but the year after. So maybe the signing won't look as crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, still funny to me, the treatment of Jalen Brunson, because I don't think there was really any other bidders besides the Mavericks, you probably. Walt at least Frazier's for that. coming back to the Knicks. At least for that price. What's up? I said you would have thought Walt Frazier's coming back to the Knicks the way they're <laughs> excited about it. Right. Earl the Pearl's right? coming back to New York. <laughs> yeah, so... I don't know. Interesting offseason. It's always dramatic. The Kyrie shit was very entertaining this past week. Thought we were going to get more of it. And then it abruptly ended. Yeah. And then, because that would have led to the KD sweepstakes. And we're going to get none of that. But what we will get, and we'll get to more offseason stuff, but we will get more Ben Simmons, Balenciaga Ben, his dramatic stuff. So we'll see. Who knows if he ever plays a game for anybody ever again? Uh, uh, if I was, never know. He's my age. I'm 25. He's 25. He didn't care. Obviously, he he didn't want to go to college, so he mailed it in at LSU, which is fine. Then he came into the league, put up 16, 8, and 8, and that might have been his best season. Like, I don't like. I just I don't understand how you're that talented of a player, and that have the world like he had best player in the league potential. Like he could be in the conversation with Giannis and Steph and Luca 
He had he was that talented. His obviously six ten build could see the floor as well as pretty much anybody in the league. Good ball, very good ball handler. He's an other than shooting, he's pretty much an B plus or better in every other aspect of the game of basketball. But just doesn't seem like he cares to play or cares to get better, and it just upsets me because I couldn't imagine being that guy and not wanting to get better. And I would say that's where he's not a B plus is his uh, is his heart. You know, oh, at the end that's of the day, an got- F, and that makes him and that makes him a good player. But I'm, like everything, like tangibly, he is a B plus or better when it's not involved shooting. And then you're right, the intangibles is where you make him from a very, very good player with his potential to solid. I can't I can't say, uh, I can't go all the way to best player in the league potential. It's up there, though. He definitely had superstar potential, but I never viewed it as the franchise cornerstone If he develops or, a yeah, jump maybe- shot, like, if he develops a jump shot, like, he's not as imposing, but, like, he could do pretty much everything Giannis can do. Guard one through five, rebound at a high level. He was a better ball handler, better pass. Obviously, Giannis is not the greatest of comparisons because Giannis is like the modern-day Shaq. But it's just like Ben Simmons had all the capabilities of being like this generation of like not the same and not to that level, obviously, but like a Magic Johnson-style point guard. Like He just had all of – he has all the tools for it. He just didn't want to get. He just doesn't want to get better, and the mindset, and then the heart's not there. So then that's just completely different. Because Magic had all of the, with all the flash and everything, Magic had all the heart in the world. Yeah, I mean, I always viewed Ben Simmons more of a, more of a maybe Lamar Odom type. Because Lamar Odom had kind of the same kind of hype coming out too. He's he's always been a he was a playmaking left-handed six ten. Could be a power forward, could be a point guard type, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, kind of the same thing. Thing with Lo is he he was always kind of lazy, you know what I mean? I think he might have made one All Star team, if not, he made zero All Star teams. But he he's another one who also had the ability to be something special. They both have definitely Hall of Fame potential for sure. Lamar, and, like uh, Ben Simmons, is like the floor for Ben Simmons to me was Lamarcus Aldridge. Like that was his floor. I don't really, I don't really understand that one because they don't have similar games at all. But well, no, I mean like, I you just explained that they have similar games. What do you mean? You just Lamarcus said that. Aldridge. So, so, oh, sorry, I said Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean Lamar Odom. His floor was Lamar Odom. Sorry. Okay, that means more. Sorry, I meant to say Lamar Odom. His Ben Simmons floor was Lamar Odom. To me, yeah, coming out yeah. like coming out, I felt like. Because obviously Odom's career didn't go, I said, Odom's career didn't go the way that we expected. So his Ben Simmons' floor to me was that. Yeah, and Lamar Odom still had a really good career. Ends up being the third best player on those uh, Laker championship teams. Integral part of those, like those were, those were some oversized teams with him, Bynum, Gasol, Kobe at the two. Like those were, you could run some super sized lineups with Lo over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Simmons, I thought his best full his last full season with Philly, obviously before he melted down. I thought that was his best professional season compared to his rookie season. Um you, you know, that you could argue that he was more controlled. I mean, that year he yeah, averaged he was, sixteen, eight and eight with more and then the year his rookie year he averaged 
16, 8, and 8. But, yeah. And he was just destructive on defense. Well, like, on the perimeter side. And, you know, you could throw him in the post and play some defense, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, it's just my favorite time of year. Like, I love, I, you know, I, I don't keep up with college anymore. Which, you know, if you want to call me a fake fan for that, go ahead. But I don't. So I don't really know much about the draft. Um, I know, was it Bonchero, Jabari Smith, and Chet? They're all, they all got upside. Uh, Jalen Ivey, did I get his name right? Yeah. Jalen Ivey or is it Jaden Ivey? I think Jalen. You know, he's supposed to be great. He has star potential, they say. I still got to go. I had to do a YouTube deep dive on those top four. I mean, I have I have a bunch of questions about Chet. How do you feel about him? He he seems like a player you would. Uh, he seems like he'd be one of your favorite players, Chet. Um, I like him. I don't love him, but I do like him. He just needs he needs to go to the Giannis, Anthony Davis, uh, Ke- not Kevin Durant. He needs to go to their boot camp to get a little bit of weight on him. Because obviously Giannis came in a pencil. Anthony Davis came in pretty much a pencil, not like him because he is a legitimate pencil. Like, <laughs> but they came in and small he, and they got much bigger. Every interview I've seen about him, he seems pretty full of himself. Like, yeah, every everything seems to be. Chet Holmgren's the best at this, or he said he's I'm gonna really be the best this. player in two in two months. He said he's gonna be the best player in the league, which is like ah, Chet, you know. You're gonna be. You're, I think you're gonna be a good NBA player. I really do. You have the potential to be a star. I think you're. I think you're gonna be good, but let's not say that you're gonna be better than KD in two months. <laughs> Go get your floor yeah. mopped by KD. Like you're not doing. It. Like come on, <laughs> let's not do that. You're not even like you're yeah. not the prospect K, KD was coming out anyway. Got both two over on um, number two picks, but Kevin Durant coming out was like the sure thing like yeah he's gonna be a superstar yeah so i'm really interested to see how it goes with him in okc yep uh, next I'm KD, especially right? <laughs> i'm a <laughs> in okc too he's <laughs> coming next KD. right yeah watch him watch him he's more of a post player but <laughs> yeah he uh, he still he can shoot the three a little bit he does have an okay handle especially for his size but it's, again no one's kd i'm not actually comparing him to kevin durant well, funny you say that, because next we're gonna have probably the best and most hype prospects since Zion and Luca next year with Victor Wemban. Hope I get his name right. Wimbiano. Victor Wembanyama. 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 Yeah. Uh, go look this guy up on YouTube. I, already, if you're I was gonna say I did the other day. He's he looks spooky. <laughs> he looks special. He looks special. Uh, he he looks like Kevin Durant mixed with fucking Rudy Gobert, which. You could all you could also limit that to just saying he's like a shooting Giannis too. Like the, he's a mixture of all three. He his his potential is scary. I think he has a if it's not seven nine, it's close, which is Rudy Gobert's wingspan. So he's almost got a seven nine wingspan. I think he's already seven foot, seven one with guard skills. So you got a guy with guard skills who can protect the rim already at his form silky. Like his form, he has legitimate form crazy it's crazy there's video out there of him scoring on gobert at 17 because he's also french national so yeah. and that's part of the spurs trade they think you know part of this trade and this coup because they didn't really want to give up Dejounte. you yeah. know it was kind of one of those things like oh if you're going to give us four first round picks for Dejounte murray 
we're going to take it. Seems like they're going to tank possibly for Victor. Uh, I'm interested to see that sweepstakes because you're going to see some outright tanking by the bottom two teams. Like the Patrick Ewing sweepstakes. And uh, yeah, right, and the Zion sweepstakes, and and, and so forth and so forth. Yeah, LeBron sweepstakes. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, Zion, interested to see how he comes back in year. What would it be? Year four now for him? Uh, yeah. Yeah, year four, because Ja was a rookie, then Ja lost to the Warriors, or beat the Warriors in the play, and then last year lost to the Warriors. So yeah, four years. I can't go by I can't go by Zion because he's just been so injured that I can't even like remember, but I can do it by Ja. So yeah, he's right, going like into year four. Right. You just you see him sometimes, sometimes you don't see him. Which, <laughs> he's just he's just kinda there. So and he was helping us to play. Luca looks slender. Um I can't wait. I don't know. I Prospects are interesting to me. I, we've, you know, Zion's the most hyped American prospect since LeBron. Yeah, definitely. Don't know who can reach that level of hype, especially now, because it seems like even college basketball's taken even a step back since Zion. And that was just, like you said, three, four years ago. It has, because so, Zion was why people watch college basketball. And then they saw this kid, John Morant, and they're like, oh, Oh, who is this guy over at Murray State? So, like, obviously, like, other players were good. I'm not trying to make it sound like they weren't, but Jaw was just so athletic and electric. And then you had Zion, and then they had R.J. Barrett, and then you had uh, Deon, um, Cam Reddish. So, obviously, that Duke team was going to be as well tel- as televised as anything. By the way, I forgot to mention Brad Beal. He opts out of his uh, option. It looks like he probably he's coming back to Washington anyway. It seems like you think that's been, yeah. He's kind of kept the same statement all the way through. Is that he wants to return to Washington? He wants to play in Washington. So it seems like he's gonna decline, get more money with that supermax, and then maybe they figure it out later. Uh, they definitely got more talent with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He needs to he needs to find himself a situation to win because I was talk I was actually talking with a coworker Daniel Reed I was like he may just become like an Alex English kind of guy not the same play style at all but I mean like a guy that people don't remember like the next generation doesn't remember in twenty years but was a very talented scorer could be could be. And, not, and that's not bad. I'm not saying like it's a bad thing. I mean, obviously he's a very talented play, NBA player. It's just that it's weird. It's going to be weird to think in 20 years that I'm going to be able to look. I may be able to look back at like, oh, you guys don't remember how good Bradley Beal was. Like, like it's because obviously you have the greats, and then you have the secondary greats like a James Worthy. But then you remember who like people will kind of remember him just because he's had big playoff moments and things. But Bradley Beal hasn't had the possibility of any of that. So, I mean, he said well, he had yeah, a couple, he had a couple actually. I mean, he had a couple Wizards, solid, but nothing crazy. And then that, yeah, and that you know that happens. And oh, you well, know, of obviously, course. obviously, John Wall getting injured didn't didn't help that at all. But oh, no, I, you know, definitely. I, think he, I think he definitely surprised everybody by staying these last two years when everybody was throwing him in every single. Uh, you know, fake trade basically, and mm-hmm. it seems like the same thing with Dame. It seems like Dame's gonna stay in Portland. Who knows for how long? Maybe those trade talks heat up too. But you know, you never know in the East. The Wizards really do have a young, talented roster, and like I said, they got even better today. Um, and you, you know, it's hard to say what we'll look at twenty years from now. 
Oh, of um, course. I'm just. I and was every generation. I was like a hypothetical of kind of because obviously, like, not many people know Alex English, but Alex English was a guy who averaged 30 in a season at one point. He was a very talented scorer in the 80s. For sure. For sure. Also on Denver in the 80s, which is like, you know, that's hard to compare to like Denver now, you know? And he seems to be, if I remember right, if I, I always get Alex English confused with Adrian Dantley because they both. I think he also averaged like 28 a game, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure Alex English, I'm pretty sure he works as like, or at least it was a few years ago, he works as like a security guard somewhere. Like he's just kind of that, he's just that kind of under the radar. You know what I mean? Like he probably, I'm assuming he has enough money to not work as a security guard, but like just chose to work as a security guard kind of thing. So I think he kind of plays into that. Kind of like how, I don't know, I think Duncan, Tim Duncan will kind of fade into that too. Like people already just kind of skip over Tim Duncan with, all these talks anyway because tim duncan's just you know not quiet flashy. as hell always, yeah not flashy and just always just like whatever you know uh when so, i mean he's he's in my top six all time really i mean like yeah. he's, he to me he had he's he's not more iconic but i think he's better than kobe like i would i think i would draft him before i would draft kobe if i had to pick but that, as I say, that's me, and I know that's a non-popular take for a lot of people. But I don't think people remember how phenomenal of an offensive player, and especially a defensive player, that Tim Duncan really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tim Duncan, Kobe's a fun argument. I mean, Tim Duncan, his resume is very similar to in football, Tom Brady's. Like you put, I don't think. I think Tim Duncan might have the most 51 seasons. I could be wrong. He never, like, I think he only had one season, two seasons that he didn't. I think I could be wrong by two. It may have only been one, and one of them was the lockout year where they only played 66 games. I could be wrong. It could be even less yep. games. So, like, yeah, one was, of them was that year. He won the championship that year, but one of them was the year that he, going 50 in 16, it's obviously very difficult. So, yeah, and that's no accident. That's no accident at all. There's no, there's no coincidence, I should say. Um, you said you had some questions. Um, I definitely, I have a definitely, I have a question. Like one question right. that can branch off into maybe a couple. So I was okay. playing Madden with Austin the other day, and oh, we were talking. Right. Yeah, so we're kind of transitioning to football, and we were talking careers of players. Like we're talking about kind of all time quarterbacks. Because obviously he's an Aaron Rodgers guy, so we're kind of talking about him and like where we think he could possibly place all time with the Peyton Mannings and all that good stuff. And then we were looking at Joe Montana compared to Dan Marino, like statistically and why, cause obviously we don't, we weren't alive during that time. So we were just looking based off stats without reading really reports of like, why was obviously Joe Montana universally recognized as the greatest quarterback of all time, other than just the, obviously the four Super Bowls is kind of what locks it. But anyways, Mm-hmm. That game into a conversation. I brought it like an either or. Would you rather have Dan Marino's career or Eli Manning's career? That's a good question. And it's interesting because Eli Manning was a there. Eli Manning, regardless of how you feel or not, I think will pros, probably end his way up in the Hall of Fame because of those two playoff that's hard, runs. That's hard to say. I thought, he, I thought he's he is right. He's he on the cusp. Like he's a weird. He literally one. ended with a five hundred record. Yeah, if he uh, ended with like, 
if he ended with more than that, I would say like sure he eventually gets in. But you no, know, him is him is gonna be like he will be very borderline. I know the Manning name will hold a little bit of weight for him too, regardless of how you feel about that or not. But and I don't I don't think that'll help. I you know who I honestly think will get in that doesn't deserve to get in is Edelman. I think Edelman eventually gets yeah, in because people already people already are talking about oh, well, he's one of the greatest postseason performers, which he is, but like Edelman's not a Hall of Famer at all. No, he said like two 1,000-yard seasons. He's absolutely not a Hall of Famer. But but Eli, Eli under any metric, is not a Hall of Famer. No, I am- Eli, I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. If Eli just simply has like two or three Pro Bowl seasons after that second Super Bowl, like just, you know, two or three straight, just – that's just Pro Bowl seasons, not even all Pro seasons. It's Pro Bowl seasons. He probably gets into the Hall. If he had and, Tony uh, Romo's career with those two Super Bowl runs, he would easily he'd be like an easy Hall of Famer. Very true, because you know Romo could actually end up his way in the Hall of Fame, yeah. even with his subpar postseason success. But you know, an elite player mm-hmm. in the regular season, so. Yeah, but, uh, we'll see, but but it's interesting because like Eli have obviously has those two Super Bowl runs. Beat the eighteen and zero Patriots in, at the time in the Super Bowl. So like, with the greatest upset of all time in the Super Bowl, beat Tom Brady twice. One of the only two quarterbacks that can say they beat Tom Brady in the big game. Him and Nick Foles out of all of them. But let me ask you this: and Then you have Dan Marino, who's sorry, who's an MVP, maybe the greatest season to ever happen as a, reg, a regular season, but never won a Super Bowl. Let me ask you this: Is it? Just their resumes or their exact careers, like everything, how it played out. Like, their exact careers, like if you had. So I'm in Miami. I'm Dan Marino, and I have that whole career. And I'm in New York, and I'm Eli Manning. Yep. If you was, would you rather have been Eli Manning or would you rather be Dan Marino? If this was, I'll answer this two parts. If this was just the careers, like the resume, and not the exact careers, just the resume, mm-hmm. I'd probably say Dan Marino. I'd probably say Dan Marino over the two Super Bowls in mediocrity for Eli. Okay. But because it's the exact two, and it's Eli Manning, a legend in New York, uh, I'm going to go with Eli's career. Definitely got to be Eli, especially when you factor in you win against the 18-0 and Patriots, you beat Tom Brady again in the rubber match, it's got to be Eli. Yeah, he's a legend forever in New York, and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, New York's arguably the greatest city in the world, so, you know, Eli's names a little, you know, even mm-hmm. you see it now with, with Eli with uh, the whole pain thing on the Monday cast. Like, yeah, Eli's pretty beloved now. He's pretty funny off the field, but like, you know, people people give him that respect because he is a champion. Eli's a killer. Don't get it twisted. Like Eli, as much as I hated him during his career, like I could not stand him up until the day he retired. Up until the day he retired, I could not stand Eli Manning. Couldn't stand him. Uh, but you know. Maybe because Peyton had all the expectations, Eli didn't really have to worry about that as much. So he kind of just, you know, he could throw five interceptions and not care about the six interception and probably believe that that six interception was going to be a touchdown kind of thing. You know what I mean? And there are games where that was a thing. Like you'd throw like three first half picks and then the second half like 200 yards and two touchdowns and they might win the game depending. And I was like, okay, he just has no memory. Yeah. Yeah. I think at times, and I think this happened with, I don't want to just insert his name here, but I think... Peyton and LeBron, maybe like LeBron early in his career, I think kind of the expectations would get to him in the playoffs a little bit because LeBron is without a doubt the most hyped athlete in U.S. history. Him and Tiger Woods, right? Yeah, of course. And then Peyton, and then Peyton's probably that for football. 
right? Yeah, and, definitely. And uh, and Peyton, pretty aside from the Super Bowls, lived and exceeded up to the expectations. He got that one in his prime with Indy, and then he got the one as the game manager with uh, with the Broncos. You know, in a season where he got injured, so he ends with two. You probably expect, oh shit. That lightning looked like it was coming right at me. Y'all hear <laughs> thunder, thunder and lightning. That, that's going on in the background. Um, but yeah, back to it, Eli. Yeah, I think all that pressure that Peyton had, Eli did not have to deal with that. So he just had blind confidence. So when he's in the Super Bowl against the 18-0 Patriots team, when he's in the Super Bowl the second time against Brady, he's not even thinking about it. He's just out there winging it to some degree. You yeah. know what I mean? So he always kind of played free. Uh, you know, and we'll we'll ignore the fact that the Giants got away with four, five, six, seven holds on the you know famous helmet catch play. But you know, my answer would be Eli. What's what's your answer? See, I would go back and forth with this, but I think mine would be Eli because I value winning more than individual accolades. Okay. And so, like, and then if you like, if you take the career into it, to think that you're like a legend, even regardless. Like possible Hall of Famer, that's obviously on the that's fringe, like depending on like who you talk to. But even without that, um just the as you said, like a legend in New York and now because of your those two Super Bowl runs, you got while and also stopping an undefeated season, like you will forever be in NFL lore. Like and you For can't sure. you can't tell you could technically tell the story of the NFL without Dan Marino. You couldn't. I, 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 I don't think actually you really could. I don't agree I mean, with that at all. No, 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 no. Because he's definitely one of the top ten quarterbacks for sure, and definitely yeah, it's, was. I was gonna say, I'm just, I'm only thinking that in like the suit. I mean, he did get to a Super Bowl, so you would be able to say he beat him, and it was very good. But sorry, like when I think of that, I think of like legitimate just Super Bowl winners kind of when again like champions but yeah never mind I retract that comment but you definitely can't <laughs> tell the story of you definitely can't tell the story of uh the NFL without Eli Manning so that is right yeah and I mean sure yeah I mean you can say that about a about a ton of players I mean I think in that early in that early giant Super Bowl where they won where the Bills kicked it wide right, I, I believe the Giants won that with a backup quarterback. So, I mean, you could use that that theory of, you know, the story not being told without such player. You could use that for a lot of players. Yeah, but you, you know, don't – but, like, do you know – you don't even know the name of the quarterback. That's, like, that's what I'm – that's my point. Well, sure. Like, you don't I mean, have to – like, I don't mean I just me. Be- he was before my time, you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah, a, but, I mean, a, you wouldn't say that with Trent Dilfer <laughs> for the 2000 Ravens. Like, I'm just – I'm just but, saying – I was also alive and watched that Super Bowl. Yeah, I know, but, but my point is you wouldn't like Trent Dilfer, even though he was a Super Bowl champion, Trent Dilfer is not what you mentioned when you think of the two thousand Ravens. When you think of the two thousand Ravens, you think of a very good run game, but the first thing you think of is Ray Lewis and arguably the greatest defense of all time. So that that's my point more so. Like Eli was a pivotal part in those Super Bowls. So I think that matters to be an actual pivotal part in those Super Bowls. That, right. That's what I mean, but I mean, uh, well, sorry, I got you right here. I th- I believe the quarterback was Frank Wright. I believe it was the Col- the current Coles coach, Frank Wright. Um, but you know, like I said, I mean, you can. I mean, honestly, you know, Dilfer is one of the first things that comes up with that 
2000s Ravens team is their defense and Dilfer because it's like, how the hell did that quarterback win it with that team? You know what I mean? Because um, he was the very definition of a game manager. But, you know, Dilfer's probably a smart quarterback. Uh, Eli, and, you know, the difference between 2027 or sorry, 2007 and 2011, with those two Super Bowl runs, 2011, he was really an integral part. You know, 2007 was a lot of run game, a lot of Brandon Jacobs. And, you know, the key to that win in 2007 compared to 2011 was the defensive line. Oh, Strahan, Strahan, Minura, Justin Tuck. Like, those are three top-tier pass rushers right there. One of them for sure being in the Hall of Fame. You know, one of them... And Asante oh dropped a pick, God. but, you know, it wasn't like Eli went in there and went toe-to-toe. I mean, that was a pretty ugly Super Bowl for what it was. He technically you know, did go pick. toe-to-toe with Tom because Tom didn't I mean, really he definitely do. did. No, I'm he just saying, did, like, Tom not, didn't it do wasn't much. Like it, was a, it wasn't like it was a shootout where he had to it wasn't Nick him, Foles. You know I mean? It wasn't Nick Foles versus Tom Brady where he literally went toe-to-toe with Tom and then they ended up winning. Like, the, Correct. Like, Foles, like, went off in that game, obviously. Correct. And the uh, I have oh. another one. Okay. Cam Newton or Joe Flacco? Just which one would I rather have? Which one? Which career would I rather have? Ra- which career would you rather have? That's tough. See, I, it's uh, I'm just I asking, brought these because how much me? you would value? How much do you value winning? Is what's interesting about this. I guess so. I mean, you know me. I always value winning. But you're asking me to pick one of my favorite players against a player who I. Next to Eli Manning, fucking hated. I cannot stand Joe Flacco, especially the second half of his career. Um, Flacco's another one. He's exact. He's almost exactly like Eli Manning, except he kind of went. He kind of went from game manager, like the early because he showed up, I believe, mid to late two thousands for the Ravens. I want to say 07 was his rookie year. I could be wrong about that. And oh, wait, uh, he started. But yeah, right. Okay, that. and he started off as a game manager for them. And, you know, the Ravens were perennially in the playoffs and they perennially had a great defense with Ray Lewis, fucking Ed Reed. Uh, Suggs. Haloti Nada, T-Sizzle. Like, that defense was had playmakers all over every year. Balsahard. And he started off... What's up? I said Balsahard University. Balsahard University. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he started off as a game manager, ended up being more of an aerial threat, and then... Then just became like, uh, especially those back-to-back playoff runs, I want to say, those last three, 11, 12, and 13, if I got those years right. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really just bombing shit. He had, and even all, 14, he had maybe the best playoff run of all time. Like, if you go just by individual stats, he had 11 so touchdowns had, to zero picks in their in their Super Bowl run when they won it all. Like He, was, he got red hot. He got Peyton <laughs> out of there. He got Tom out of there. And then the next year, next year, 2014, uh, I don't know if, you know, I get my years mixed up with those early 2010s, but I know we had runs in 11, 12, and 13, 14. They get, you know, that famous game where they get up two scores twice on the Patriots. He balled out in that game. He's another one who was just never afraid of the Patriots, mm-hmm. never afraid of, uh, of anybody, really. You know what I mean? He's never, the pressure never got to him. He just his decision-making was bad. And, you know, Kind of like Eli, after those Super Bowl wins and after those playoff runs, he just kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, no, he but there was a time there you would want you weirdly enough, as inconsistent as he ended up being, you'd want Flacco in those big games. He, yeah. you know, he was kind of Joe Cool, um, and he had a big arm, 
had a big arm. And, you know, he's a, kind of the perfect complement for those defenses because they put just enough talent around him. You know, they'd always give him a tight end. That seems Smith. Uh, the latter part of his career. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think who else they had. Who else did they have early on for those um, Oh, Jacoby Ford, was it? He had the play. I think it was Jacoby Ford that was against the Broncos. He had to play up this up the sideline to get that game into overtime. That's Jacoby Jones, wasn't I'm it? Sorry, Jacoby Jones. Yes, yes, different play. Uh, yes, Jacoby Jones. That was another person they had during that time. Um, and then you're you know comparing that to Cam, who you know he comes in after the Heisman. He's a highly touted prospect. He lights up the league his first few years, really up until. You know, that last Panthers season, he, you know, he, did a, yeah, he was an elite player. You know what I mean? Uh, an, an incredible threat from the rushing, you know, as a dual threat quarterback. You know, I mean, he he's a Hall of Fame talent. Mm-hmm. Flacco's not a Hall of Fame talent. Nope. Cam Newton's a Hall of Fame talent. Um, you know, so in a vacuum shit, I'd probably pick Cam. Okay. but And that's fair. You know, but if you're asking me, Career for career, yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm probably gonna take the wins. But if you're asking me player for player again, you're asking me one of my favorite players in Cam oh. Newton against one of my most disliked players in Joe Flacco. Oh, of course. I mean, if these are players for players, and you're taking Dan Marino thirty times out of thirty over Eli Manning, like when you're take, talking in a vacuum, you're talking about one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play. When you're talking, and that like, one's that one's more interesting because you're you know Dan Marino's got everything but a ring. You know what I mean? He's got everything but a ring. Mm-hmm. And Eli's got the most bizarre career of any quarterback pretty much ever. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't even you couldn't even describe Eli's career. You know what I mean? Like he's you know, so odd. Cause he was he, I mean, you know, I, I say he didn't have as much hype or pressure on him, but I mean he was also a number one pick. He had the drama coming out of his draft where he gets traded for Philip Rivers because he refuses to go to San Diego. And he's in New York, you know, and he's backing up Kurt Warner. So he did have the hype. He was just honestly so inconsistent early on the way his whole career was that people were kind of like, all right, whatever, it's Eli. You know, we'll see when it happens. And then of all seasons, it happens <laughs> against the 07 Patriots. And then he strikes gold again in 2011, which, again, that was his better season. Like, he was, he, he had a lot of comeback wins and, and fourth-quarter comebacks just in that 2011 season alone, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a that's a fun comparison. And then Cam, Cam and Joe Flacco, those are both guys who had really high peaks and then both kind of fell off. You know, Cam, I believe he's still on the Carolina roster as of right now. I think so. But, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think he's been released. So, you know, Cam, we just don't we just don't know if he has a second act. You know what I mean? Kind of fell off after that. That Patriot season was as bizarre as it could get. Then he goes to Carolina last year, has a few good moments. As far as throwing the ball, you know, he looks cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Flacco, I don't know if he's officially retired yet, but he was, he was a backup on the Jets last year, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a few he years. He might have just, like, just retired, possibly. He might have. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think he was on the Broncos last year, actually, right? He was on, he was uh, on Denver. Well, we can look it up right now. Yeah, he was on the Jets last year. He was. Was he ever at any point on the Broncos? Is he on the Broncos now? Uh, before the, before no, before the Jets, he was on the Broncos for a season. All right. All right. Yeah, so I'm going to roll with Cam on that one just because Cam, to some degree, I want to say, you know, he kind of revolutionized 
what football was for the next 10 years. You know, he, he was a part of that. RG3 was a part of that. Andrew Buck, uh, Cap, Kaepernick, Kong Kaepernick, like all those guys really ushered in the next, and Russell Wilson too, the dual threat quarterback, what we see now with all the RPOs and stuff. Like, yep. you know, if people are running RPOs 10 years ago when those all those guys come into the league. I mean, their careers might look a little different. You know what I mean? That was perfect for all those guys. And, you know, Cam's different because Cam, you know, him is it's with the injuries. But, you know, he's interesting. I really think, and I think I mentioned this on here last year, I really think Cam has a second act as a Taysom Hill kind of guy. You know what I mean? If his arm's not consistent. If he's willing to do it, then I think he could definitely. Because, man, I almost wish he did that with the Pats because I feel like that'd be perfect for him. By the way, Mac Jones getting rave reviews out of everybody in training camp so far, or midi camp it would be. Training camp starts in probably about a month here. Yeah. Uh, Drop weight. Everyone's raving about him. I can't wait to talk football. can't wait to talk Patriots in about a month, month and a half here. But my answer to that would be camp. First one, Eli. Second one, Cam. What's your answer? I think it would probably be Cam. On this one, even though it's hard because I I think it'd be Cam. I do think it'd be Cam. What was Austin's answer for both of these? uh, Dan Marino and Cam Newton. Because he got Austin. Austin values. Austin values winning for sure because he obviously wants to win. But Austin really values like when it comes to especially special players, the individual talent of being the best, that kind of thing. So he has high value on that. So it makes sense why you would go with Dan Marino because he was the best quarterback in the lead for league for at least a half a decade. And then you could argue Joe Montana in the latter half of the eighties. So, yeah, I mean, there was a few there. There was a few there during uh, Dan Marino's cause oh, it was, I can't say he was cause there was Favre there. Cause he right in the middle of Marino's prime Favre had those three MVPs. Steve Young was there. Uh, uh, the, the, um, the Marino was actually before, like, the end of Marino was kind of when Favre was doing that. I was looked this yeah, up the sort, other day because in 84 sort of. was Marino's 48 touchdown season. Yep, and I think that was his I think that was his second year in the, in the league. But Marino was still considered one of the top QBs in the 90s. Which oh, is yeah, Favre yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was I just saying, like, the first half of Marino's career was really where he had the bulk of everything, like, Obviously, that second half, he was Dan Marino, like the name Dan Marino. So he was already, and then he was obviously really good too. But if you look at his career numbers-wise, that first half of the season from like 83 to 87, 88 was really when you could consider him the best QB in the league for like a half decade. But you got to throw Elway in there too, who was also in the same draft as Marino. I think it was the 83 draft. There's a good 30 for 30 on that, mm-hmm. too, by the way. Yeah, no, that, all the I would say John Elway was very good, and John Elway went to five, obviously. But Yeah, and he was going, I think he made three Super Bowls right in the 80s there, and the same as Marino. So it's, I mean, especially for us being there, I don't know if we can just say Marino was definitely the best quarterback there with, with like you said, Joe Montana and with Elway doing similar stuff and maybe even doing more. Maybe not numbers-wise, but definitely had more success on the winning end and uh you know marino had I think marino from what i've heard from what i've heard in the 80s he had a lot of offensive weapons around him in defense. defense um so you know that doesn't go his way but i mean he did make it to one if you can make it to one i guess you can make it to more um elway probably had more weapons around him the second half of his career Especially. and the you know the 90s part so 
So I don't know. That's interesting. And, uh, you know, Marino's kind of one I want to do more of a deep dive on now that you say that. Mm-hmm. But I got one more comparison before we get we before we can get out of here. All right. And, cool. this one, and this one's basketball. All right. And I was, I was trying to think of the second guy for this one. And this name came to me. I think there might be a better option out there that I could think of. But it was Steve Nash or Kenny Smith. So a champion, a champion role player, or Steve Nash, who's a bona fide Hall of Famer. You got a, a bona fide Hall of Famer, a two-time champion, a slam dunk contest champion. I mean, if that matters <laughs> to you at all. But <laughs> are we say, counting? Are we counting Kenny's analyst career? See, that's also what I thought too. I was thinking like at first, I was thinking just we'll go just like NBA career, yeah, and then we'll add the analyst career. See what you think. Uh, I mean, you can't really have an analyst because, I mean, Steve Nass got a head coach job, too. I mean, I don't know. They both got post-career success. But, I mean, if you're adding, I guess, you know what? Yeah, shit. If we'll do that. If you're adding all that, I'd probably rather be Kenny Smith because he's still, he's a role player who's like, I don't know. I mean, his career is not much different than, like, Derek Fisher's, right? Mm-hmm. And Derek Fisher just got fired as the LA Sparks coach. Uh other than that, unless Derek Fisher's on TV, we're not really going to hear much from Derek Fisher, nor yeah. remember his career much. Like, really, Derek Fisher's like, I just, I'm about to take this Kenny Smith, Steve Nash question to take a shot at Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher's one of the most overrated players I've ever seen in my life. God, he got he got off on being like one of Kobe and Shaq's most loyal teammates. Like, cause he did not, his career numbers, I bet, I'm not even going to look it up right now, but I bet his career numbers are something like seven and four. With with five rings, which at the end of the day, that's what you say to me is, "Hey, Kyle, the five rings is all that matters at the end of the day." Yeah, or whatever. I don't know if he's got all five or he's got four. I think he's got uh, five. You know, he does have five because um, I remember he was on Utah, and then they made a big deal of them getting Derek Fisher back for those like championship runs the second time around. So I think he has all five, and that's true. Like he is clearly he did have some value, and there you know there is merit to that. Just like how. The Warriors brought back Iguodala, even though Iguodala didn't do shit. So, you know, you and if you're a Laker fan out there listening to this, you can tell me, shut the fuck up, Kyle. Cool. But I don't care. <laughs> that doesn't leave, doesn't leave deep. I still think defense is pretty overrated. He's pretty much just a rip point guard who can make clutch threes. Yeah. But Kenny Smith, back to the original question, Kenny Smith, if we're including after, after the career stuff, I guess Kenny Smith, because like I said, he stayed in the limelight more. This is going to be my original point. Sorry. He's basically Derek Fisher, but he's in the limelight because he really is a smart basketball mind. Like he's been thrown in for for GM jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Kenny Smith because he's cool, even though he once big time me snubbed me at the Hall of Fame. I, yeah. Um, 12, 12, 13 years ago. Whatever. Shouts to Kenny Smith and his beautiful wife. But I was gonna say, didn't he give you like a like weak as all weak fist bump? I just went to dap him up and he like looked me off and like just held out his fist or whatever. And I was like, all right, play, whatever. Whatever. All right, all right Kenny. <laughs> all right, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like 17 years old at the time. So whatever. Whatever. Five star but, mellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story for another day. Oh good. Five star mellow. My long winded answer to this, I'd still probably take Steve Nash because Steve Nash is one of the greatest point guards of all time. He's exciting. He's a back to back MVP. Another one who had everything but the ring. Everything yeah. but the ring. Um, okay. Now, 
But Kenny was lucky enough to play. He played with MJ and James Worthy in college. Maybe he didn't play with James Worthy, but he definitely played with MJ. Mm-hmm. And he played with Akeem in his prime, you know. And he was coached by Bill Russell. So he got a lot of, you know, that's a lot of knowledge in the basketball department. And, you know, he's a New York City player, grew up playing in, you know, legendary New York City high schools, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, you know, Rucker Park and all that. So it'd be cool to be Kenny Smith, too. But I'd go with Steve Nash. All right. And so... Now I got actually I have one more that I'm gonna add just a real quick switch from Kenny Smith, but uh, Derek Fisher career eight point three assist guy. Uh huh. So I was close. I was seven and four. He's actually eight and three. Eight. Well, what was that? What was his best season? Like eleven and five. Uh, his best season. Let's look here. He had a <laughs> pretty close. He had a nice. 13 and 2 and 4 season with Golden State in 2005. Oh, I forgot he went to Golden State for a little bit. That's yeah, right. So that so that would probably be his best season. And you know, I, a lot of that Derek Fisher shit talk is just Celtics hate, but not really. I've always I me and I remember me and Steven used to have this conversation because he for some reason hates Derek Fisher too. <laughs> but shout out Steve. Uh, you know, he's just he's just a hard player to qualify, quantify because, yeah, all he does is play stout defense, get dunked on by Corey Brewer, uh, hit clutch threes, and fight Matt Barnes, apparently. That's another story, too, for another day. And he's involved in legendary gifts, if you know the Derek Fisher, Lance Stevenson gift. Yeah. So, you know, Derek Fisher, he's, he's whatever. He's five rings and not. I mean, if I'm being serious, that is exactly someone you want on your team. That's someone who would hustle, who would die for a win, who, you know, again, brings value to championship teams, whether it's clutch shooting, you know, making timely plays, timely defense. He's great at taking charges. So, yeah, of course, Fish had value. He's just, you know, if you just took him, his stats and him out of the vacuum and just, you know, him as a player, especially in those late two rings that him and Kobe got, he was past his prime, you know what I mean? Yeah. Compared, compared to with those, those early years when he was coming off the bench, with those Laker teams hitting clutch threes and, you know, really can move on defense. We didn't have all that muscle on him. A bit different. But, you know, shouts to D Fish. Even, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing now after he got dropped by the Sparks, but shouts to D Fish. Um, Steve Nash or Steve Kerr? Without the coaching, without just career, just careers. Same that's exact ex- career. That's extremely hard. See, that one's that- a little bit different just because. You got Steve Kerr, who obviously played with Mike, made big time shots, played Mike Scotty, Mike Scotty, Phil, and Dennis. You got that whole Dennis Rodman experience, mm-hmm. and then he got, went to San Antonio, got coached by Pop, played with Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Like he's he's got a career on him. Listen, I would love to be Steve Kerr, and he hit the biggest shot in the '97 Finals too. He's got he's got a big moments with the Spurs too. Uh, one past his prime where he just like lit the Mavericks up, I believe. Mm. That's a good that's a good YouTube find because he was like past his I think that was like his last season in the league, like mm. way past his career. And Pop just threw him in. Um if you had the coaching, be- obviously if you had his obviously the second part of his career, like the entire I'd rather much rather be Steve Kerr. Uh, not much rather, but I'd rather be Steve Kerr. Just the I think I would rather be Steve Kerr in both instances, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be hard to pass up Steve Kerr's career. Just, you know, spot up, shoot some threes, shoot some mid-range jumpers. Get decked in the face by Mike. <laughs> like, yeah, I, think, I, think that's, I think that makes it. <laughs> like, he's got, 
not that Steve Nash doesn't have stories for years, uh, but Steve Kerr definitely has stories between Phil. I can only imagine the stories he has of Phil, Scotty, Mike, Dennis Rodman, especially. Like I would, I would, I'd pay money just to have a drink with Steve Kerr and just interview him. Uh, I mean, that being said, Steve Nash is a great interview. Go listen to any of Steve Nash's like interviews with Bill Simmons on podcast. Steve Nash is a great interview. Uh, and I think he's a really good coach. There's people out there, especially Nets fans, who say Nash is a disaster coaching-wise, and I don't he's believe good. that at he, all. The he, only thing he needs to work on is a little bit was rotations, but at the same time, they need to give him the personnel so he can work on rotations so he doesn't have to play KD 44 minutes a game. Right. That's hard because, uh, I mean, he was playing KD a lot because, I mean, there was a lot of injuries on that yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Was, was like, again, it's like they need to give him the personnel. For, I mean, there was injuries, but at times there was also like a personnel issue to where you could only go seven deep and taking KD out was not like available. So I think it, that's more like the front office too. So it's not just on uh, Steve Nash for sure. Uh, yeah, again, those are great questions. This was hard though. I mean, you know, it's hard to pass up on Steve Nash's career because I think – 99.9 percent of people would want steve nash's career because you know how many how many people are two-time mvps back to back he's I mean, on a list of like 13 people who've won back-to-back mvps back to back was on a fun team he was the initial I mean, start of how the nba is today yeah 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 he definitely as far as pace goes he him and dan tony definitely are like especially dan tony are the architects of like what basketball was to become the next 15 years um there's during that time you know the end the mid to late 2000s you know steve nash was you know one of the more exciting players in the whole league to watch just him running the pick and roll him and amari like phoenix was must see tv they really were uh you know and they had shooters around them all you know nash was great Mm-hmm. And I think that gets lost. I think that gets lost a lot was how great he was, how great of a passer was, how smart of a player he was. I'm a big Steve Nash fan. His handle's incredible. Um, and, you know, I mean, shit, he was part of that 96 draft with AI, Kobe, Jermaine O'Neal, all of them. And, you know, you look at him at Santa Clara of all schools, you know what I mean? Like, look, you know, there's nothing besides maybe, I mean, he's basically John Stockton with a handle if you look at it from you know, 96, you know, however old he was coming to the league, I'm not sure. Um, you know, and then he just blossoms into this Hall of Fame player. Plays with Dirk early on, obviously. Plays with, J- he was Jason Kidd's backup, which is crazy to think of in those Phoenix teams yeah. early on. Um, really weird. Really weird. Interesting career for Steve Nash. I think I would be, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, that's something I've thought about anyway. Like, I, I love any Steve Kerr interview because he just has so much perspective, you know, between playing, like, as you said, playing with the Bulls, those, the second half of that Bulls 3 P, playing with the Spurs, playing under Pop. You know, not many people, how many people play under Pop and Phil Jackson? Those are two of your top five coaches in any measurement in the NBA. Steve- and then and then he goes on and coaches, Steph. you know, the best team of the <laughs> 2020s you know or the 20 sorry the 2010s the best team of the 2010s he goes on and coaches you know uh like so he's, he got he played with mike scotty rodman he played he got coached by pop played with tim david robinson now coaching steph clay draymond coach kd was in the front office in phoenix and did a really good job there he did very say, he, he did very well as a color commentator yeah. like there's nothing steve kerr hasn't done very well in the league like obviously he wasn't like a phenomenal basketball player but he definitely was a 
integral part to some championship teams. Absolutely. Yeah, he was the architect of those. Speaking of Nash and Antonio, he was the architect of those teams. So, yeah, great basketball mind, Steve Kerr. Is. That reminds me, this is the last thing before we get out of here. I, I don't know if you saw this, but this was fucking insane to me. Uh, Draymond was on a live thing. Yeah, I saw like, this. Live show of JJ Reddick's podcast. And he said they couldn't have won the championship without Kevin Durant. That's got to be the most, I don't know. Did you, do you I, remember I, why he said that? Oh yeah, because Steph Curry can create a shot. Because Steph Curry, because Steph Curry couldn't create his own shot. The guy that Tyron Lue specifically said we have to double team him every time he has the ball, essentially because they need to get the ball out of his hands. The man who averaged thirty in a season, a unanimous MVP when they went seventy three and nine, couldn't create his own shot. I'm sure he couldn't. That was the biggest. That was even more the biggest bullshit he ever said, too. He goes, oh, teams were trying... He said, teams were starting to figure us out. No, they weren't. Right, listen, <laughs> he, was, he said his examples were... And again, if anybody's listening to this and saying, hey, Draymond would know more than Kyle or Keenan, of course he fucking would. I think he's capping because this is why. He says, oh, we're down 3-1 to uh, OKC. It, OKC was, without a doubt... Sorry, them and the Spurs. If you're going to pick two teams that were going to beat the Warriors in the West, it was I think the Spurs won 69 games that year, 67. 67 wins that year. Spurs win. OKC kind of surprised them with the win, right? But again, if there was one team you'd pick to beat those two teams in the West, it was going to be OKC. Durant and uh, Westbrook and the rest of their crew was more than formidable. I mean, they had the game of the regular season with... Oh, I was about uh, to say... They went to OT. Kevin Durant had to foul out. It still took a Steph Curry 42-footer and him dropping 12 threes and 46 for them to win in overtime, which is obviously his best regular season performance ever. I mean, I, I think it's better than the 62 points he had just because of, like, obviously the moment of the game. But, God, that was such a fun game to watch. That felt like Game 7. That was such an amazing. And then, and then Game 7 was great, too. <laughs> Yeah, they had, they had. I believe what I believe you play your in conference four team, uh, four times. If it's not your divisional team, right? I think you play division teams maybe six to eight times. Yeah, you play division four, you play conference three, you play West two, and then you have like a spotty like they have like five games left to spot. Got you, got you. So I think so they play Golden State three times that year. OKC mm-hmm. or vice versa. Golden State plays OKC three times. I believe all three of those games were great. I, you know, my memory of that is that all three games were great. Yes, their their series goes seven, as you said. They're down three one. It's a bona fide classic. Uh, they weren't down three. Yeah, they were down three one because they figured out Seth. But that's because they were the perfect matchup for it. Westbrook's a bigger physical guard. The rest of their team was yeah, big and physical. They wanted to play defense a little bit too. Yeah, they were, uh, you know, they run around. They had Steven Adams and Ennis Cantor to bang against the Warriors. The Warriors are obviously a smaller finesse team. Like, they were just a, a bad matchup all around for the Warriors. And then uh, game great six, the Warriors were. <laughs> right. Game six happens. You pull out the greatness of all greatness out of clay at 40 for clay 31 10 and 9 for steph like he had 71 points between the backcourt and then in game seven the same kind of thing and game seven they take over you know they got the momentum and then you know three one speaking of draymond draymond doesn't get ejected or suspended even they he doesn't get suspended they probably win in five they probably do that all the momentum they won game four going away 
Uh, and we know what happened. Thirty-eight in that game, like they're like that was like they're they were set up to win. Like I don't understand what Draymond's comment was. Like yes, the only thing the thing that Steph wasn't at that point was you could wear Steph down a little bit more than you can like today, just because his body wasn't as big and he wasn't as strong as he is today, but couldn't create his own shot. He just couldn't yeah, get it. Like, really? That's, ins- that's an insane statement. <laughs> he would have probably an- averaged, I think he would have averaged 30 plus the year coming off of that. I think that, like, that's the one thing about KD that upsets me so much that him going there is because I thought it was going to be kind of like a trilogy. I mean, multiple years of Steph versus KD in the playoffs. Steph going off, KD going off, because Steph played well against the Thunder. And then, obviously, you still would have had LeBron, Steph in the finals, I think, at least one more time, probably, because the Warriors were there. They just needed they needed to replace Harrison Barnes with a guy a little bit more consistent. But even Harrison Barnes was fine. Like, and even they – yeah, I was going to say, they didn't even need to do that. If they would have maxed Barnes out and brought him back, they'd possibly win. If Barnes makes a few shots, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he Barnes- went over in Game 5. He scored zero points in Game 5. Like, that doesn't work for you. Like, he makes six shots, maybe they win the series in five. Right. Barnes just happens to have his worst games of his career in games five, six, and seven. Loses all confidence. And, uh, I mean, you know, Barnes is still a commodity now. There's 30 teams that would take care of some Barnes right now. You know what I mean? Even he's probably in his early 30s, late 20s. I'm not sure. But he's still a decent swing man who can still get you buckets and still get up and down the floor. Like just average you know. 16, five and two on 47% shooting. Like that's a more than uh that's a, that's a quality NBA player right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. That's one of the least confident things. Of it. That's most, it's ridiculous to say it really is like just, just own up to it. That KD put y'all over the edge. I mean, it was a 73 and 19 teams figured you out. No, teams figured out that they could be physical with you. That's about it. That's yeah. about it. And that, you know, any any smart, any team that had a physical team like the Thunder or the Cavs, Cavs are able to be physical with LeBron, Tristan Thompson, and them. Then, yeah, you know, like it's going to swing in your favor. And, you know, the longer any series goes, the more physical you can be. And, you know, I mean, go look at Steph in the early part of his career. He looks like freaking me out there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And nothing on him. Of course, you can be physical with him and Clay and Draymond at six five. But like, of figure, course, you can be- the figure you guys went sixty seven and fifteen. Didn't see a game seven. Won the championship. You then went seven. People were obviously saying that point guards were injured, so they weren't discrediting the championship, but they also were. They were a little skeptical on it. They came back. Uh, what? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you remember, like that off season, people were a little like they did go through most multiple injuries. Obviously, Kyrie and Kevin Love were out. A Mike Conley missed series. Uh, so like people, they they played the Pelicans in the first round. They weren't really great, and then Houston was just Houston. Um, so then that second go round, they were like, okay, they came out. They went seventy three and nine, and then obviously Steph got injured in the playoffs. Came back like. You guys won a combined 140 game or 100 yeah 140 games and only lost 24 in two regular seasons. You're going to try to convince me that they just 
figured you out. Like, yeah, they found a strategy that semi worked. Like, figured you out. Like, I don't like. Come on, come on, Dre. And Steph couldn't create. <laughs> that's the, Steph couldn't create his own shot as if he didn't have one of the top like five handles in the game. Like, come on. <laughs> like, he still does, but like, really, really. Yeah, that's the biggest bullshit I've heard in a while. I can't really? believe Dre. And Draymond's going to be, and I guess apparently already is because he's got a podcast, he's going to be great in the media. He's got a job at TNT the day he retires. But mm. that was some bullshit. Like, come on. Yeah, maybe, sure, maybe they did need another player. But guess what? It could have been anyone between the level of Harrison Barnes and Durant. Or even like we said last time, we had the same conversation on our very last episode, I believe. If you even decide to not bring Barnes back, maybe put Iggy in that starting role, maybe or something like that, or another swingman. And balance out your bench more. Grab Andrew uh, Wiggins. You know, Apparently I that think worked. <laughs> right? If, uh, you know, any sort of, you know, any sort of addition to your to your depth to a 73-9 and team, I think, I don't think experts are coming back next year. We call them experts. I don't think people are coming back next year saying, oh, you know, I, don't, I just don't see it for this Golden State team. Like, no, people still would have either picked them as a finalist or a Western Conference finalist. That's yeah, for sure. That worst so. Western Conference finalist because they may have thought the Thunder could have beat them if Kevin Durant goes back to the Thunder. Or the Spurs back. be with Kawhi because obviously the Spurs got there the next year with Kawhi. But, exactly. like, the, <laughs> Kevin Durant made it so you guys were absolutely unbeatable with him. Like, not absolutely, not unbeatable with him because obviously the Rockets took you seven, you lost to the Raptors, but KD barely played. But like you, he just that especially that first year, you, you were you guys were unbeatable. There was no way, and you went sixty-seven and fifteen, sixteen and one in the playoffs. You could argue it's the greatest team that we've ever seen. Like that's what KD did. <laughs> oh God, that's right, all we got. Listen, we're gonna be back talking more music soon, more basketball. Uh, we'll be back at free agency starts this Friday. Mm-hmm. So. We will be back. I mean, really, it starts tomorrow, honestly. Yeah. But Football's going to be around the corner, too. I'm excited. Got some topics that I'm actually interested in, too, that I'm thinking about. But, yeah. Perfect. also want to mention UFC 276 this weekend uh, has the potential to be an all-time great card. It is, really Adesanya, is Adesanya on that? Does that Adesanya is the main fight. He's So, you know, if you're listening out here there and you've got some interest in UFC or you are a UFC fan, we got... Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier in the in the main event, and uh, that's Adesanya, who's arguably the most exciting fighter in the UFC, mm-hmm. versus someone with knockout power. Who I just found out today, he started as a heavyweight and he's all the way down at middleweight, so he's got power, power. Yeah, so he I walks think, around much heavier than he actually is gonna weigh in at. So he, you know, he's stylistically. Adesanya is probably the much better fighter, but I think this guy's going to force Adesanya to fight, which, you know, the last few fights, Adesanya's been more of a counter-striker, and people have complained that his fight's been a little boring. I do not think that's going to be the case. The co-main event is what I'm most looking forward to. We got Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, the two best featherweights going at it a third time. There's some dissension whether Max won the second fight or not. You know, and it, here we are. Third fight. Without a doubt, the two... I mean, I think in the pound-for-pound pound rankings, Volk is number three and Max Holloway is number six, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it could be an all-time fight. Like, I, you know, the first two fights were pretty good. They both went to decision. I'm hoping there's a finish one way or another. I'm rooting for Max. Um, what else we got on the card? We got Sean O'Malley on the card, who's a highlight. Him versus Pedro Munoz. Munoz, I believe. Sorry, pronounced that name wrong. Uh, who else we got? We got Alex Pereira versus, I don't know who the fuck he's facing, Sean Strickland. So that's a middleweight belt. And the reason why that's noteworthy is Pereira once knocked out Adesanya in kickboxing years ago. He's got two wins versus Adesanya in kickboxing back in the day. Um, and that's going to be a matchup. If he wins and Adesanya wins, whether win or lose for Adesanya, that's going to be a fight the UFC is going to want to make. Uh, Pereira is a, he's a knockout artist, too. He's got, I think his nickname is actually Hands of Stone. So a lot of intriguing stuff on this card. And I believe the fifth fight, let me look. I believe the fifth fight is Misha Tate, who's one of the better women's fighters of all time. Let me look this up to make sure. Adesanya Karanir, Volk Moles, Max, Robbie Lawler. Maybe, uh, I think they moved. Oh, they canceled the Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate fight. So they moved up Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barbignana. I don't actually know him. Lawler, though, he's like a UFC legend. So that could be fun. I don't know much about that fight, but the other four, I'm hella hyped for. That fifth one, cool. That'll probably beat it off. But yeah, no, it's going to be great. This is, I've been, I mean, the last few cards have been amazing. They've been really fun to watch and they've had a lot of hype. But this has been by far the one I'm most hyped about in 2022. So I can't wait. I'm going to be locked in on that on Saturday. Um, I'm going to me and that's gonna be in the middle of free agency too so i'll be getting probably breaking free agency news while these fights are going on i cannot wait to watch a yeah. couple things i'm gonna say on our outro on my outro here <laughs> um happy birthday to danny on the second i mean we're not gonna podcast but happy birthday to danny my girlfriend on july 2nd which is the same day as the fight as the card that's what cool. you say we're doing we're doing a podcast for her birthday no we won't be doing a no i'm saying we won't be doing uh, a podcast like until after her birthday probably uh, so i'm saying happy birthday, birthday on the pod happy early birthday danny i'll be yes. sure to wish you a birthday that day but happy early birthday happy Earth- podcast yes from the warner brothers podcast um there's a url event next sunday it's next saturday on the 9th it's gnome 12 i am <laughs> I've been so excited for this event. This event's going to be amazing. The first battle of the night's actually going to be for $100,000. So it's there's money on the line. There's people going at it. It's going to be phenomenal. So I'm excited for that. And then obviously NBA free agency. And last but not least, Friday, Stranger Things has two more episodes coming out. The last two episodes for this season. And I'm I couldn't be more stoked. Oh, you watch Stranger Things? Yeah, um, Danny got me into it, and now I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm so stoked for it. That's a new development for sure. Oh gosh, I can't I can't wait. It's it's wild. <laughs> I can't wait. Crazy, <sighs> crazy. I right, listen. We're out of here. Warner Brothers podcast. Everyone enjoy their July Fourth weekend. Have a safe July Fourth weekend. We'll be back talking basketball, music, football, UFC really whatever comes up and we'll have some more creative topics uh Hope got to a get good andrew on soon so got andrew coming on soon to talk some drake uh, that'll be a unique topic i keen actually went through that one last one he actually broke down some of the parameters on it so mm-hmm. uh listen to that and you'll have an idea of what we're doing the three of us 
pertaining to Drake, pertaining to uh, albums. So yeah, can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. And we agreed on twelve tracks. We agreed on twelve tracks for it. Yep. Yeah, that's funny because I was, I was like, nah, fourteen's too long. And I, I honestly, I came up with my album within like fifteen minutes, at least the base of it. There's still some tinkering I have to do with it, but I was like, damn, I really could add fourteen easy. But I kind of like the twelfth number. Fourteen was I had fourteen originally. I had to cut two, and then I'm debating on one song. But I've had this ready. When we do it, we're gonna do a Kendrick one at some point. I'm saying that now, and when that happens, that's gonna take me maybe two days. <laughs> that, one, that one's gonna be tough for me. Interesting. All right, all right, Keenan. Good talking to you. Talk to you again soon. Uh, we're out of here.